I want you folks to all know that I am on Patreon. And if you enjoyed this program, give me money so I can keep recording them. That's going to be at patreon.com slash nerdforensics. We have a very special episode. Of course, it is our inaugural episode. And welcome to Nerd Forensics. I'm Millicent Oriana, and we are broadcasting from a scary alley in Bloodhaven due to the fact that we don't have the money for a scary alley in Gotham. With me tonight, I have... I'm Jacob Urban. Uh, I'm a local woodworker. However, my shop is in disarray due to some renovations at the moment. And we also have... Sophia Baca, co-host of Breaking Math and uh, fiancé to the host. And also not steering the podcast, so that's kind of fun. And talking about Batman, and yeah. Sometimes nepotism does benefit people. Millicent Oriana, culture expert. While seeking to unlock the secrets of all fandoms, she is exposed to an overload of every aspect of pop culture. Now, when asked a question about a piece of popular culture, she becomes curious. Now hosting a podcast and joined by amazing guests, she seeks to find answers and find a way to live off her talents and to make a fun podcast. Don't make me ask questions, Bob Kane. You wouldn't like it if I had to ask questions. Is Batman a fascist? And whether you believe it or not, everyone in America has a stake in this issue because our superheroes are the ones that are going to inspire and lead us into, you know, morality and, uh, you know, climbing Olympus to uh, sacrifice sheep to win against our enemies. That sounds that sounds exactly I mean I can't, I can't say that you're wrong but I can't could someone say that you are right? Well, all I know is that if I don't kill sheep on top of a mountain an old man throws lightning bolts at us. Again, welcome to the inaugural podcast of Nerd Forensics. And since you all know who the hell Batman is, I really feel like we can just jump in for listeners who might not know refers to the children's character the Bat Man, a strong gentleman who fights crime nocturnally. That's correct. Well put. And because I'm a stickler for stories, though, and because I care about my audience, and let's be real, you might have gotten out of that weird freezer tube from that Mel Gibson movie from the 90s. Um, do you either of you know what I'm talking about? That one where he was frozen and like... Uh, oh, yeah. and I, I remember during the, the pre-conversation for this uh, podcast... We were talking a little bit about like people being frozen in movies, but yeah, that the yeah that one that um, you said uh, who's he co-hosted with? I mean, co-starring just some weird little kids, like like okay, it's basically man without a face, but he's like frozen and he comes out and he's like from the fifties. It's the same exact movie. I have no idea what the title is, but he played in these two movies where he's like a freak and he befriends a kid and he yells at the kid at one point. But they're the exact same movie. I know earlier you confused it with Encino Man. And uh, I do have to say that Brendan Fraser, incredibly underrated actor. What about Polly Shore? Well, no, Polly Shore, Polly Shore is overrated, if anything, because I don't think he's ever been like hit with like a like blunt object on the street. So I think he's overrated. I think that's probably happened at least once. What do you think? I don't know how Polly Shore really became in popular enough to be in movies. 
I think that was just a collective mistake on all of our parts. Yeah, that is true. And also because we're going from Encino Man to uh, Mel Gibson movies back to Batman and everything. Not to confuse anybody, uh, Encino Man is about a caveman where Mel Gibson is a caveman in real life. And Christian Bale, well, he's built like a sexy caveman. But um, I've heard mixed things about him. I've heard he's nice from some people. We've all heard him melting down. But I'm sure I would have been pissed off too if that dude like ran out and ruined his shot that way. I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, did you say it took like 40 minutes? But no, not to get too off topic. It took like longer than that. It took like three hours to set up that shot. It was like, I get why he was pissed. Getting back to Batman. <laughs> um, let's do a quick overview. Uh, Jacob actually has a lot of like the facts with actual numbers and stuff. And since I don't want to sound like an idiot, I'm going to let him read that. So, you know, this was just a quick little research. I don't proclaimed to be an expert or anything but uh uh batman was created by artist bob kane and writer bill finger he debuted in the 27th issue of detective comics on march 30th 1939 bob kane claims soul creation but bill finger did substantially develop the concept from a generic superhero into something more bat-like Batman got his first comic, his own comic, uh, Batman number one, published in April 24th of 1940 by DC Comics. Detective Comics is the longest running comic book in the United States. Batman has been listed as one of the greatest superheroes and fictional heroes ever created. And a fun tidbit is that he supposedly knows 127 martial arts. Okay. So... Would you describe the process of making Batman more interesting fingering Batman? Yes, Batman was definitely fingered. Okay, as long as we get to say fingering Batman in every podcast, I'm going to be happy. I mean, wasn't didn't people not use his name on things for a while? I mean, not because of that reason, but wasn't there some kind of ownership uh, yeah. dispute? Yeah, Jacob just brought that up. He said that there was a dispute where Bob Kane claimed sole ownership of it and Bill Finger fought to get his name on there. Bill Finger didn't get his name on Batman until like the 90s or like the early 2000s or something. Got it. I didn't catch the name on it at the end thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like to call it finger blasting or fingering Batman. What he did. God. <laughs> he fingered Batman. Sorry. I'm just I'm going to say that. All day, every day. That's what this entire podcast is going to be now. It's just me talking about that. Uh, okay, getting back to the point, because nobody would ever listen to that podcast. <laughs> or maybe too many people would. I don't know. I don't want to meet those people. All right, so getting back to topic. Um, how well-versed are you in Batman, Sophia? I've watched, uh, like, what, like, what did you say, like, 17, 18 episodes of the animated series? And yeah. I've seen the, the, the movies that are all gray with, um, what's his face? Christian Bale. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking about him earlier. Uh, and Jacob, how well-versed are you? Uh, pretty well-versed. I'm not like what you'd consider, a, like I said earlier, an expert. But I've definitely watched pretty much all of the Batman movies, uh, the animated series growing up. And I do have the Blu-ray collection of it now. And I uh, have read a decent amount of the comics. And uh, as for me, I, uh, well, I grabbed an actor who played Batman's dick and put that on my bucket list. 
he did let me. It wasn't like, you know, I freaked out and did it or anything like that. Um, one of the best days of my life. So, yeah, I'm really into Batman. <laughs> we have to say allegedly. I'm sure there's like a million people who have played Batman in porno movies. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm fine. Like, I'm sure I'm fine. Yeah, but yeah, I allegedly grabbed an actor who played Batman's dong because he let me. And no, it wasn't Diedrich Bader or anybody who actually played Batman in anything except for a movie where they were penetrating people. And not with batarangs. And not with batarangs. Well, I, I'm sure it was, he called it a batarang, but it was not what you'd, you'd expect. Um, all right. Well, right now we're going to start with the pro-fascist arguments. I think the first one I'm going to bring up is that, of course, everyone knows this. Batman's a rich dude who throws, you know, sharp, pointy objects at people. What really helps sell the, the, the fascist part of it, though, is you have to imagine this billionaire just, like, flying around in auto gyro throwing sharp things at people. I mean, nothing sells crazy like that except for a Zeppelin. Has there never been a bad Zeppelin? No. Like, that would be kind of cool. But, like, would it be full of hydrogen? Um, it'd be full of, uh, naturally safe helium. Well, then there would be a bat dirigible. It wouldn't be a bad Zeppelin. Well, I guess you're batting a thousand. All right. Now, <laughs> Sophia. All right. So he's definitely the boss of his little club. Like, um, a G- I keep calling him Jeeves. Um, Alfred. Alfred thank you. I-, I know his name every other day, except for when we're recording. Um, that's a lie. I forget everybody's names all the time. You should just start calling him Jarvis to really piss off and confuse our audience. That'd be fun. Yeah, so, um, uh, so Betty, um, no, it's kidding. Isn't that the, 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 uh, the, uh, the robot from uh, the Jetsons? Betty? Uh, Rosie. Okay, anyway, I'm just making up stuff now. But no, a pro-fascist <laughs> argument uh, for Batman. I would say that, like, yeah, he's, uh, he's boss of his little club. He's boss of Robin. He's boss of Alfred. He's the, the boss of the extended uh, Bat family to a degree. And um, honestly, I feel like dictatorship, while not exclusively found with fascism, is often found with fascism. And if you want to combine that with the fact that in the um, in the uh, Batman Begins trilogy, uh, yes, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight trilogy, um, that uh, he literally hacks into people's cell phones to hack into their physical whereabouts. Yeah, and I mean that's definitely fashy to you know buy on everybody like that and you know this kind of goes into the whole well if you have nothing to hide you have nothing to fear thing which is a very fashy argument yeah and was your as we were discussing earlier when we weren't recording by mistake um batman also in the early 40s i was gonna say you know uh he was progressive, and then the more and more I started talking about it and thinking about it, I realized that, no, he's like a creepy fascist. He uh, he slept with a little boy at one point, and, I mean, they shared a bed. They shared a bed. The 40s was a, a different, terrible time. Oh, I know. And that's the thing. Like, when him and Robin shared a bed, I mean, that definitely, like, there was definitely an implication there. He's the Dark Knight. Yeah, I mean... He does dark things, like preying on children. You know, say he's the dark spot in Dick Grayson's memories. (laughs) And all the rest. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. When they get too old, he gets a new one. Oh, God. <laughs> Except for the one that the Joker beat. But, you know, I think he let go of him, too, because he just realized, I don't like blondes. Wonder Boy. Yeah, there's also that. Anybody familiar with Kevin Conroy and his work as Batman, check out the Venture Brothers if you haven't seen him as Captain Sunshine. I mean, also, you weren't you talking earlier uh, to bring up another pro, uh, a fashy point about... Um, wouldn't that guy turn into an anti-Arab slash Muslim hate-monger? Oh, Frank Miller. Okay, yeah. So the elephant in the room with this whole fascist argument, of course, is Frank Miller, who I will say Batman uh, Year One, Dark Knight Returns, amazing stories. Um, there there are definitely some problematic things. If you look through it, you can see them. And I mean, I'm a fan of H.P. Lovecraft. I cringe when I read it. But I'm not going to stop reading it. I'm not going to, like, you know, give up on David Bowie, even though he had some really questionable decisions he made in his life and stuff. I can't listen to Michael Jackson anymore just because uh, PYT is the scariest song ever. But, you know, I'm not going to give up on anything just because, you know, a part of it makes offends me if it's good. I mean... It's one of those arguments where as time progresses, you know, societal standards do change. So while something in the 1980s is far more acceptable then, you know, we've grown in the 40 years. And also we, we do have to like also remember that, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole concept of cancel culture really is a thing. But it started with like people on the left, like Ed Asner, Colin Kaepernick. Um, I mean, there was James Gunn who was targeted by conservatives and, you know, thankfully he got his job back, but you know, there are a lot of examples where people are unjustly fired and it's usually not the ones that people are asking about. I guess it really boils down to is if you can divide the art from the artists themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Some artists you really can't. Like, some you can. Yeah, like uh, with Michael Jackson, like, uh, to your point, um, I mean, not to get too off topic with everything, uh, but, like, uh, his um, his uh, creations were part of an organized uh, uh, campaign, right? Uh, he used... Uh, Allegedly. He, is it alleged? Yeah, it's alleged. There's no proof of it, but it's definitely an alleged thing, like... We definitely, you know, we're never going to speculate anything on this podcast unless, you know, it's absolutely true. Like John McAfee hunting a guy for sport. Uh, otherwise, though, we're not going to ever say anything's fact unless it is. Um, so, yeah, with Michael Jackson, it's alleged, but I definitely can't listen to PYT anymore without cringing. And I mean, there's a whole reason that the Simpsons producers stopped airing that episode Stark Raving Dad. Yeah, I mean, again, it like I wasn't I'm not a big Michael Jackson fan and I wasn't before any of the allegations came out against him, but you know, it's one of those things again where if you personally can separate the artist from the work of art itself, you know, that's a decision that you all have to personally make. And yeah, sorry to tear off topic people, uh one of those Fox News people had their whole uh, no spin zone. I have the we're a couple beers deep and we're going to discuss things for a little bit. So, yeah, that's 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 our the thing. zone we're in. Yeah, that's the zone we're in. The got the spin zone. Yeah, I got the spin zone. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. 
I mean, anybody who ever watched Mitchell and Webb knows all about the uh, inebriati, right? Oh, yeah. The people who um, uh, govern the world uh, uh, in uh, good directions because they're between uh, one and a half and two beers drunk at all times. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about where we're at, everybody. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, getting back. All right, so the pro-fascist arguments, back to those. We've gone over Batman throwing things at poor people, him being a, uh, you know, a child molester, let's be real. <laughs> we also bring up the fact that he, at one, I mean, he was totally anti-New Dealer wish fulfillment. He was that billionaire fixing all those problems at the ass end of the Depression. Lord Finani. Okay, well, the thing that about little Orphan Annie that you also have to remember is like, me and you heard that thing about how creeps all worked in like orphanages back then and stuff. That woman, literally, she wasn't making money off them like cleaning that place and stuff. She literally just like beating those kids up for fun. That was the whole reason she ran that orphanage, just because she liked beating those kids up for fun. Oh, yeah, and I believe that was uh, listening to, uh, we were listening to what, Behind the Bastards, Robert Evans' podcast? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Behind the Bastards. Anything to say about Annie's, like, uh, you know, orphanage owner liking to beat her? No, not particularly. I haven't watched that movie in decades. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you're familiar with Little Orphan Annie, right? That, yeah, like, yeah, I'm well aware. The, the, her her, her, her uh, adopted dad's name is Warbucks. His name is uh, Mr. War Profiteer. Yeah, he also looks like like a early prototype for the kingpin. I mean, he's like built like a brickish house, and he's bald. Like I would have been scared to death that he was looking for like a new human punching bag. But granted, that woman obviously liked beating Annie up. She was probably like the redhead. She won't die. All right, yeah. It's a hard knock life. Yeah, exactly. Um, getting back to uh, getting back to uh, the bat fascist. I think. Uh, Anybody else have any more fascist arguments? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like the strongest one to make would be that, you know, he is a vigilante. You know, nobody ordained him as the Batman and to be a purveyor of justice. He just took that mantle and, you know, ran with it. As the old uh, catchphrase was, I am, uh, I am vengeance, I am uh, justice, I am the knight. You know, he he decided that he was going to be the sole dispenser of justice. The GCPD has him listed as a wanted criminal. Yeah, that is a good point. And I mean, you also have to imagine how like jammed up Gotham ERs must be with like people that he's just like putting wheelchairs and stuff. Well, and also when you look into the bat family too, he does have a bunch of subordinates who do follow his command without question. Usually there are definitely story arcs where, you know, people, different uh members have a moral quandary or qualm with what he's doing um but ultimately he generally is proven to be in the correct stance from the writer uh also we have to remember this is also a man who employs child soldiers like he utilizes child soldiers their fullest i mean i grew up in the death in the family era before the red hood so like I remember Joker bashed his brains in and like, that was a kid that Batman put in danger. Don't tread on me. Oh, I know. But uh, yeah. And as we can all agree, vigilantism never works out. It always goes the wrong way. Yeah. You really do got to be part of a larger movement if you're going to engage. 
I mean, what? It just took the LAPD like a hundred years to reform after being founded by vigilantes. When did that happen? Oh, I'm sorry. It will take over a hundred years for them to reform after they uh, were founded by vigilantes. And, you know, another thing with Batman 2 is that there are two variations of Batman, two core variations. One is the Batman who refuses to kill, and then there's the Batman who has no problems killing anybody. Which we also do need to discuss that at this moment. I mean, of course you have uh, Ben Affleck who, like, brands people and they get, like, shanked, which I never understood, because if I was in jail and, like, you know, I was sitting there and I was like talking to some dude and he's like, yeah, I took a swing at Batman with a pipe and he broke my wrist. I'd be like, yeah, dude, he did the same thing to me. Broke my ribs. Yeah. So definitely the more sadistic variation of Batman who is killing. There's definitely a stronger argument for him being a fascist. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that was also just the most pointless thing ever. Uh, and then, of course, we have the nice even middle ground of Tim Burton's Batman where, okay, as me and Jacob discussed earlier, he had uh, Gatling guns on his car. He straight up dynamited a dude. And he also lit a guy on fire with the exhaust from his Batmobile. And I guarantee that was fatal. So, getting to the uh, anti-fascist arguments now, and I guess I'll start again. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of you out there that are fans of TAS. Uh, anybody who doesn't know, that's the animated series, the one from the 90s. If you're on the internet, I'm sure you've already heard like a hundred other people talk about how great it is. So, we're going to really just kind of save you that time. Uh, it's great. And uh, animated by Paul Dini, who did uh, the Animaniacs. Right? Uh, no, well, it wasn't animated, but it was written by Paul Dini, yes. <laughs> who did Animaniacs. I'm, I'm so confident. <laughs> he did Animaniacs. He did Tiny Toon Adventures. He did, um, God, what else did he do? He did Freakazoid. He did uh, like Pinky and the Brain. And, uh, but, uh, and uh, didn't they work with the same animation studio for both? Um, so they worked with Tokyo Movie Studios, who uh, also worked on Akira and Little Nemo, which is the most disjointed animated movie ever made. Um, and eventually, I want to say that Warner Animation, though, took over. Yeah, somewhere around the fourth season, I want to believe, uh, or say, uh, and that's when the animation style shifted quite a bit. Batman had pointy ears, Joker looked kind of like Mickey Mouse. Basically everything post Mask of the Phantasm, which amazing movie. Anybody who hasn't seen it, do yourself a favor, check it out. I would argue it is definitely one of the best Batman movies ever made. Yeah. So getting back to this, I mean, in the in the Bruce, Tim, Paul Dini, Darwin Cook, all that stuff. Batman's actually quite a philanthropist. He donates to charity all the time. He seems dumbfounded when he finds out that his company's doing anything immoral. Um, and, you know, going into the Batman who absolutely refuses to kill anybody, uh, you know, that strong moral code there, regardless of how terrible this said criminal is, he does see them having the right to life. So, Judge, before before I try to make uh, my point, um, I, have, I do need a question answered about Batman. Uh, how involved he is in the day-to-day of Wayne Tech? Um, okay, so... He basically promoted, like, the one person that he considered not to be an amoral crackpot as high up in the company as he could, which is a man named Lucius Fox, who was the head of the Applied Sciences Department. Him and Lucius Fox have led Wayne Tech to the point that they stopped 
making weapons. They started just making like armored personnel transports. Uh, their entire philosophy was they wanted to save people as opposed to kill people. And, you know, if you look at also the uh, Batman from Red Sun, I don't think anybody could classify him as a fascist. He is more of an anarchist than anything in that. Yeah, through and through. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, some anarchists can be quite fashy, but on average, they don't believe in, you know, everybody being controlled with an iron will. But they're, every now and again, you do get the, the anarchist that's like, I want nothing to work so I can be a tyrant. <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean, um, there's uh, yeah, there's reports that you get people in all kinds of movements that are especially that especially the ones that are more disruptive get in it for the disruption. But I was gonna say about um, Batman um, being uh, be, be, being a fascist. So it seems like he is so disjointed. Like he's surprised that anything goes wrong with his corporation that he barely has anything uh, to do with and. Like uh, he's surprised that a corporation like uh, is that damaging. Um, he uh, he communicates with his uh, subordinates. It seems like, but it seems like in the commission of doing day to day business, like every like every time when I wake up in the morning, I mumble to myself. Uh, it's this commercial I've never actually seen, but I say time to make the donuts uh, because it's like time to just another day of work. I feel like that's whole Batman's whole thing. I don't feel like he has any kind of anchor in anything. Like I feel like he reminds me a lot during I've had uh, I've had uh, psychotic episodes in the past and it feels a lot like that where it's like yeah, you could do art, you could do a lot of cool stuff, but you're ultimately just kind of spinning in your wheels. I mean, but there's also the difference between just like accepting the status quo like some people do and trying to, you know, I mean, I've always liked that, like, in that universe, when he was confronted with an issue, he'd be like, I got to fix it right away. I mean, you have, like, you have people who do things like, uh, you know, build, like, multi-billion dollar space sports, and everybody's telling them, hey, maybe you should pay your workers more than $15. Oh, yeah, I just meant it in the sense that fascists seem to always be working towards something, right. the Thousand Year Reich, the whatever, like, and I'm, I'm just, I, I feel like... His even even though what he's doing like may or may not be like you know pretty honorable, I feel like um, it can't be defined really that easily as fascism for that point too. Yeah, and that is a good point because I mean again he also and he's disjointed. He's a flip flopper, but anytime he finds out about anything he's doing wrong, he tries to fix it immediately. Um, I would also like to bring up so a kind of pro fascist argument for him is that. He does have contingencies to defeat every member of the Justice League if he needed to. But on the counter side of that, he does train the Bat family essentially to take him down if he ever went rogue. Yeah, which actually is a really good thing that he trains them all to take him out if he ever goes like completely crazy. Which I also don't think that a power hungry maniac would ever do that. No, it definitely, that does not seem to jive with uh, the themes of fascism. Usually the leader wants to uh, maintain absolute power forever. And I will go again. And I personally feel that Batman is not a fascist. I think, you know, he might be misguided at points. He might do some things that are idiotic. I think everybody's done that. I mean, like... Has anybody ever actually looked into John F. Kennedy's legacy? All I can find is the dude almost started World War III and he started Vietnam. And he's on the 50 cent piece. 
He has a leg. He has a legacy, though. He has a very strong legacy. It's called Johnson. Yeah. He also probably has a strain of something that he created. <laughs> when he and his brother were having sex with people together. Oh yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yes, it did. Um. So I guess my feeling on it would be that. Batman is more of a libertarian type figure, to be honest, Um, as he is a person who is independently wealthy and he is using this wealth to his own means. Um, But he does, again, he does donate and participate in charities a lot, which is a libertarian ideal, as well as um, sleeping with the child. Certain ones, yes. Um, <laughs> as well as he definitely does seem to have a distrust of the state. Uh, he feels that the GCPD has failed to some degree, and that is why he has to um, don this mantle. You know, it's a compulsion of his that he can't really control. Uh, so it, I guess that's where I would come down on it is that he is way more of a libertarian figure than an actual fascist figure, which when looking at politics as a whole, libertarians are very far away from fascists, the real ones. And also, it also does bring rise to a very good point too. I mean, he also garners a lot more sympathy, the more like corrupt and dysfunctional the GCPD is. Each universe that like you have the ones where literally uh, Renee Montoya, Commissioner Gordon and Bullock are like the only trustworthy cops. So, yeah, I could definitely see Batman being like there are three people in the police department who aren't completely on the take. As well as the various mayors and city officials as well because that is a whole thing with gotham is that pretty much everybody involved with the governance of the city is usually being paid by the mob or something i also can't call him a fascist because um he he doesn't seem to arrest people for like littering and like jaywalking and like like you know like uh financial crime that uh results in a, a bank having less like income it seems like his whole thing is crimes against humanity and i don't really think you could call that fascist um it seems like he just kind of like he likes order and he's insane so he's like Mossad back when they were cool are you on record saying that no just kidding uh okay i won't say that Mossad was ever completely cool but um i mean okay the whole like practically like cutting Nazis heads off with wire and like blowing them up and stuff after world war two, I will go on record that the whole like killing Nazis in their homes and stuff while they were like, you know, eating cereal or taking a crap is really cool. Yeah. It's that's undoubtedly cool. Killing Nazis is always cool. I mean, I'm definitely in favor of that. Yeah. Yeah. So let it be known that on this show, we are all part of the pro killing Nazi club. I mean, we're not advocating murder, but um, if you do have a war criminal, uh, it's technically not murder. So, uh, you know, if there's a war criminal in your neighborhood, please, please just take a phone cord or whatever and just, you know, I don't fix think the we world. should advocate that. OK, well, if you know for a fact they're a war criminal, I don't think anybody's going to blame you. That also brings up why they know they're a war criminal. <laughs> That is actually a good point. If you have somebody in the neighborhood that you know is a war criminal, uh, it might not be in your best interest to kill them, but it's probably in the world's best interest. I mean, if you're like in like, you know, 
Somalia or something, and you're like surrounded by warlords and stuff, yeah, I probably don't want to kill those guys. But um, I don't think anybody has ever felt bad for General Butt Naked when he gets like shot at and stuff. All right, so uh, moving on to a happier topic. Uh, what's your favorite Batman incarnation, Jacob? Uh, personally, my favorite would be the animated series. Uh, I feel like you and I are both going to agree on this one. Um, I just feel like it captured, it captured a certain kind of magic that was just really great. Now it could just be nostalgia talking, but you know, the Arkham games are kind of a, uh, spiritual successor to it. Uh, and, you know, again, that magic is still there. Those games are beautiful. Uh, just, you know, they're great games. If you've never played them, I definitely suggest throwing them on. Yeah, I actually just played through them in uh, October for Halloween. Um, and, yeah, TAS Batman is definitely my favorite when it comes to, like, terms of magic and all that. Uh, I also, personally, I really, 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 really enjoy riff tracks. Me, fiance, Jacob, and pretty much everybody else we know really loves riff tracks. And if you, ha if you have seen them, if you've had the pleasure, watch the Batman and Robin serials from the 40s. And uh, you can find some of these on YouTube, right? Um, yeah, and I think the whole, the whole serial is somewhere on YouTube. It might not be an official channel. I do not support taking revenue away from those guys. So please, if you do that, donate to them. Oh, and, uh, yeah, they have a, a donation, um, a link at the end of every episode. But, um, uh, th if you, if you want a slightly less hassle, they're also on Amazon a lot of times. Yeah. And if you have prime, they have free movies and stuff, but, uh, I would definitely recommend watching the serials if you can, because, uh. Batman and Robin, I think Robin's older than Batman. In those serials, yeah, definitely. Or are at the very least the same age. <laughs> and Batman's overweight. Like, he's wearing a damn girdle. And my favorite incarnation is also the animated series, because I've seen that, and I've seen uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, and I've seen the, um, the one with uh, Take Two of These and Call Me in the Morning. No, no, the animated series is wonderful. It's wonderfully animated. Um, it, it, like, I hate to, like, it, like, it, it sounds cliche, but it makes you think sometimes. And it's, it's just so fun. Like, honestly, like, just like the, the, the adventure aspect of Batman is like, honestly, so attractive. And I mean, of course, you have all those other Elseworlds and stuff, things like uh, Gotham by Gaslight. And I mean, it's a, He's a part of our mythology, and because of that, you can do anything you want, really, with the character. Well, and it also really, again, with him being more of a human and the fact that he doesn't have special powers, um, he really can just kind of be placed in any time period with his same skills of martial arts, detective work, and psychosis, psychosis and uh, absurd wealth. Um, you know, and it really does work in any period, whether it be Victorian London or him as a vampire, as we were talking about before the uh, in the first take that didn't get recorded. All right. Well, Jacob, if you could see Batman fight anybody in any universe, fictional, non-fictional, 
you know, any comic book universe, who would you see Batman fight? So my first answer for this is uh, the black suit Spider-Man. Um, I really feel like it would be a really good battle, especially if, you know, it was Peter Parker who's being like completely controlled by the symbiote at this point. And, you know, it definitely ends one of three ways. Either Batman is victorious by finding out the suit's weakness of sound and fire, or they go to a stalemate, or Spider-Man straight up kills him. And for you, Sophia, who would you like to see Batman fight? Um, Definitely Logan Paul. No, just kidding. Um, that would be terrible. Um, Wanda it would be fun. Wanda Maximoff, or uh, the, the the one with the, the bubble universe uh, where the TV. Oh happens. yes, Wanda Maximoff from the Marvel universe, the Scarlet Witch. That would be a good one. Yeah, because the whole fun part about that uh, Wanda thing was uh, finding it was like a puzzle being solved, and the fun thing about Batman is seeing him solve puzzles. So I mean, that'll go together. And for me, uh, it depends on the parameters. If we're talking unarmed, like a bare knuckle boxing match between Batman and somebody. I think him fighting Teddy Roosevelt dressed as Craven the Hunter would probably be the coolest thing you could ever see in your life because they would both be psychotic. And uh, I think if, like, we're going to go full-blown arsenal, like he has every weapon, I think a spirit of vengeance, preferably Robbie Reyes, because I really just think that that would be an un... I don't think Batman would win. I think it would be just, like, a terrifying battle that he would wind up losing. Who's that guy? By the way, who's that guy who stole the tugboat from that lawyer? Oh, or oh, Carl yacht? Panzeram. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it wasn't a uh, yeah, it wasn't a lawyer. He actually, what he did, he stole a bunch of bonds from William William Howard Taft. Oh, that's right. And used them to buy a boat. Yeah, during his whole serial killing rampage. But yeah, I don't know why, but I feel like he would be fun to watch fight Batman. Yeah, actually, that'd be good. If you don't know who Carl Panzeram is, and you're up on your true crime, you need to read about Man Mountain. He's a freak so i did have one other one too that i would like to see um and that would be batman versus jason Voorhees. um so you know providing that batman survives the initial encounter without getting his head punched off or uh, a gate rammed through him or, or face smashed in or, or shoved in a deep fryer yeah, or, uh, you know it, as long as he wasn't jason the in their first go round. um the reason why I think this would be so interesting is because, you know, I would classify Jason as an undead type. He is definitely not living, but I don't think he necessarily counts as a demon either. Um, so, and, you know, you just remember that fight in Arkham City where he goes one-on-one -on -one with Solomon Grundy. And that was pretty intense. And like Solomon Grundy, I did see Jason come back to life because of lightning in a movie. Yes, yes, that did happen. He got Frankenstein. He literally just got back up. Turns out if you vulcanize a person, they will come back to life. I learned this from Mary Shelley. I learned this from Friday the 13th. And I'm letting all of my fans know as part of my death wishes, we're going to have me vulcanized and see if I come back. I mean, vulcanization is, like, processed under rubber. Yeah, I know it is, but, like, you know, you just heat it up. I don't think electricity is going to do anything but cook me like a chicken. But vulcanization... <laughs> it's probably going to turn my skin really tough. I'm probably going to get vulcanized by it. I thought of someone else who would be fun to see Batman fight, by the way. 
Um, who's that? Uh, uh, who's that samurai who was handy with an oar? Oh, Musashi. Yeah, we're gonna definitely have to go in him at some point in the show. Um, Jacob, you're pretty well versed in Musashi. Uh, yeah, I know a bit about him. Yeah, so you know about that story where he smashed that dude's head in with a boat oar? Yes, and uh, the guy thought he was like just. He thought he was disrespecting him because he wouldn't draw his sword. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll definitely go into Musashi at some point, and that would be a real fun fight to see. Um, yeah, I'm still thinking, like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, if it's just a bare-knuckle boxing match, and t- but Teddy Roosevelt has to be dressed like Craven the Hunter. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Samurai Jack, just because they did that, too. Yeah, that'd be a good one, too. That would be a very good one. And that's pretty much going to wrap it up for our show tonight. Uh, I would really love to thank my guest again, Jacob. Uh, yeah, I'm Jacob Urban. Um, like I said, uh, my workshop is in a bit of a disarray at the moment, but whenever I get some social media plugs for it, I'll let you all know when I come back. Oh, yeah, and he'll be back a lot because uh, me and him get, have a real good back and forth, and he's he's pretty good on these subjects. And, of course, I'll have Sophia on here a lot, too, because she lives with me, and um, <laughs> I'm kind of riding her coattails. So uh, It's nice to feel included. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, no, um, I'm SciPod Sophia. That's Sophia with an F. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm a co-host of Breaking Math, the Listen to Breaking Math, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um yeah. Um, so, so, see ya. All right. And I am, of course, Millicent Oriana, and I'm going to be at Camp Pod Millie on Twitter. And then, of course, that's with a K, the tragically ludicrous, the ludicrously tragic, like when a clown dies. And I really hope that y'all send me your memes, send me questions, compliments. Uh, go ahead and send criticisms as long as, you know, they're not too harsh. Uh, I mean, you can be really harsh, but just don't, like, you know, mindlessly threaten me and stuff. Let's actually have like a dialogue, people. All right, cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're all going to be around. And I hope I'm going to have a you know listener or two in the next couple weeks.